What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Turn on the Jets Live. It's been a while, but we're super excited to be back for the 2022 season. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We just can't get over this. It's been a year since the show initially started, and we're super excited to kick off year two. Steven, how you doing? How you feeling? What's up, man? It feels like it's been forever, and it honestly has. I think uh, the last time we recorded uh, was around free agency time, which is uh, quite a while ago. But, man, we're back and better than ever. I'm super excited, obviously. Uh, a lot of good things going on at Forum Park. Excited to talk about year two of Robert Sala. Um, but how you doing, man? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's it's definitely a lot different this go around. I feel like last July when we were, you know, kicking this show off, we were talking about how the expectations are really low. We didn't really feel like like there was pressure to win games. We just wanted to see development. We wanted to see Zach Wilson, Robert Sala, and all the young pieces. But now's really the time. You know, we had a really optimistic offseason. We added a lot of pieces in the draft, free agency, you know, complete continuity on the coaching staff with the exception of Don, John Beck, who really wasn't part of it because he came in the middle of the season. But like, it's really now or never for this team. I know, you know, people are saying, you know, the Bills are far and away best team in our division, probably the best team in the conference and arguably the best team in the NFL. But you know, New England and Miami definitely have some question marks, specifically New England with their play calling on offense for Mac Jones and obviously Tua and a, a rookie head coach in Miami. The Jets really have a chance to do something here. They can finish in second place. I mean, I'm not expecting it. I'm hoping for it, but it's it's not out of the question. You look at the Bengals last year, which is always going to be the comparison model for us. But, you know, Zach Wilson hasn't shown that he's Joe Burrow yet. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I mean, yeah, I think the expectation has to obviously be improvement. And, you know, I really like what CJ Mosley said was, the, you know, our anticipation should be playoffs or bust. And I, I, I mean, it's not going to come from ownership, but every player, every coach in that building should have that expectation. I think this team can make a jump. They should make a significant jump. I, the excuses all have to go out the window. I mean, the schedule is what it is. You can't make excuses there. They start with, you know, all four AFC North teams to, to begin the season. But honestly, you're getting Baltimore at the start of the season, which, you know, could be a roll of the dice here. You hopefully get Cleveland with, uh, with Deshaun Watson getting suspended. So you have winnable games there. So the excuses have to be done for. And you just play your best football, win a couple of division, divisional games. I think the Jets from the start of free agency through the draft, which, you know, you have and I, you and I haven't gotten the chance to really talk about that live, uh, how good the draft process was for them, but getting four players that were in their top 18 and addressing all the needs to where honestly, one of the biggest tackles, which were, I'm sorry, the biggest question marks going into this is the, the right tackle spot and Mekhi Becton, which we will get into. They've addressed a lot of needs, man. This team is ready to compete. And if, if some of these guys that they, they, they got a lot of playing time last year, and that was the goal, if they can make this year two jump, this should be a competitive roster that's at least willing to make some noise and hopefully improve by three, four, five games and get themselves into that playoff and wildcard conversation. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I mean, right tackle is a huge question mark because that's the assumption for Becton that he's going to move over there and Fancher retain his spot, assuming he's healthy. I think the second safety spot's a little bit of a question because mm -hmm. you're banking on LaMarcus Joyner, who barely played last year, or it could potentially be Ashton Davis or maybe even Pinnock. So that's really the other question mark. And obviously the quarterback is still a question mark, despite the, you know, cautious optimism we had coming out of the end of his rookie season. But overall, I'm super excited, which leads me to my, our first topic of the night. Who are the three guys on the team? And we both agree we won't say Zach Wilson because we feel like he's the obvious answer here that you're most intrigued to read about in camp. So I'm going to pass it to you first, and then I'll try to make sure I don't copy you at all. <laughs> all right, you want me to go all three right at, right at the rip, yeah, or you want to go three. back and forth? All three. Go, go all, all right, three. so I'll, I'll say all three, and then I'll go kind of through uh, why. My first one would be Elijah Moore. 
Uh, my second one is Tyler Conklin and my third would be DJ Reed. Um, so Elijah Moore, obviously, we all have uh, an insane amount of excitement about him. We did last year, uh, getting him in the second round when we did. Um, the way he kind of came on in, in the middle to later part of last season, I think was huge. But the reason that I'm super excited to see and hear how he does in training camp this year is just because when he had the most success last year, last season, he was kind of the guy. Corey Davis was already hurt. He didn't really get a chance to even, even you know, have playing time with Corey Davis. Obviously, the tight end room did not look like what it will uh, this year. So being the guy last year, and he still had the amount of success that he did, uh, when you get him into this offense with the additions of Tyler Conklin, C.J. Uzama, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and a healthy Corey Davis, I just think that'll, that'll open up so much for Elijah Moore to really see what his potential can be. Second, I just mentioned Tyler Conklin. I think we've already seen the beat kind of report that he's going to be tight end one. I think what he brings to this offense, kind of a, a nasty attitude, I, I think is going to be going to be big for a Jets offense that really hasn't had a legitimate tight end since what, Dustin Keller? You might have three now, which is amazing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, maybe one year of Austin Safarian Jenkins, but really since Dustin Keller. And, and honestly, he was good and a serviceable tight end, but not great. So to have a legitimate threat or threats really at tight end is, is huge for this offense. The last one that I'm going to say is DJ Reed. I could have gone sauce here. I think everything you're hearing about sauce is that he's every bit as good as, as what we have anticipated, but DJ Reed coming in from Seattle with the attitude that he has uh, kind of that dog mentality and also being able to be a mentor to sauce, solidifying a corner spot, having Bryce Hall, who's a fan favorite in your chest, but now Bryce Hall's a depth piece, which I think is perfect. Like how we, that's a legitimate serviceable corner as a depth piece. So adding DJ Reed in here uh, with the attitude and the knowledge that he brings to the solid system and what he can kind of, how we can kind of take sauce Gardner under his wing. I think I'm really excited to see uh, how he fares in camp. Yeah, I mean, all those guys are super, you know, intriguing and guys I want to be hearing and reading good things about, hopefully. So we both agreed to not do Zach's. I'm going to pass on him. Elijah was a great choice. Probably could have said him myself. But I'm going to kick it off with Brees Hall. And the reason I'm really intrigued about Brees Hall is because he was the number one running back in the draft. And I feel like, you know, given the fact that he went to the Jets, he's not being hyped about. Like, you know, we're, we're approaching fantasy football season and everyone's always like, who's the rookie running back who could win you a league? I mean, Brees is going to be 1A. Like, it's already written that he's going to be 1A, Michael Carter's going to be 1B, but expect him to get the majority of the carries, and obviously Michael Carter's going to do a lot in the pass game. I mean, he's awesome. He's got that breakaway home run speed that we've been lacking. I feel like we had Chris Johnson for a minute, and he was obviously a little bit past his prime, and he had that ability to get out in the open space, but Brees is a home run hitter. Like, we, I don't even know the last time that we've had, like, a prime running back that was like this. Like, Thomas Jones, who, you know, former guest of the show, was one of our favorites and was obviously a, a hard-nosed runner, but he wasn't a breakaway speed guy. I feel like maybe Curtis, I mean, we didn't have LT in his prime, but he definitely was a breakaway speed guy in his heyday. I can't even remember. So maybe you could think about it if you go back in Jet history, because Curtis is like the first real running back that I remember watching as a fan. But like, we've never had someone who with this type of ability, at least on a rookie deal, who was like highly touted coming out of college and, you know, People are like, he's a, he's going to be a good NFL player. He may not be a yeah. superstar, but he's going to be a good NFL running back. 
And honestly, uh, Curtis wasn't the game breaker that uh, that Brees Hall, I think, has the potential to be. Curtis is more of a 10, 12 yards a clip guy and, you know, get things in bunches. And if there were yards there to gain, he was going to get them. But to think about a game breaker, I mean, honestly, in spot duty, he'd probably go back to like Leon Washington or a guy like that. Yeah, but he wasn't an every down back. But he, yeah, wasn't, he didn't no. have that so ability. To say the Jets, have, you know, uh, to have a guy like Brees Hall, he's really one of a kind and pretty much the first one that the Jets have had anyway, in my memory. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about him. You know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch his development alongside Michael Carter, who we both love. My second player is Carl Lawson. And obviously, you know, we, a lot of Jeff fans are a little worried because it's a guy that missed base. He missed his entire rookie, not rookie season, first season with the Jets. He was tearing up training game. He's making Becton look terrible, which we didn't know at the time could potentially be a problem, but Everyone said he was by far the best player on the defense before he went down in Green Bay and those joint practices, which was such a tough blow. But he's, you know, he's young. I expect great things out of him. You know, CJ Mosley was another was a guy who missed so much time. He was away from the team for so long. It was like literally two years. And he came back and he had a great season. I expect the same thing from Carl Lawson. I'm not expecting him to be a 15 sack guy, but I think he'll be a double digit, double digit sack guy. And I'm super excited to see him along these other pieces with Quinnen, with Sheldon, even Solomon Thomas, who I think is actually going to be a sleeper guy on this defensive line because he has familiarity with the system and playing under Sala in San Francisco. And I think he has that pedigree. Maybe this is the opportunity for him to unlock his potential. He's like 27 or 26 years old. So Carl, I'm super excited to see what he can do and really what if he could tap into that potential that a lot of people thought he had in Cincinnati, but he just wasn't getting those sacks. It was always those quarterback pressures. And honestly, the third guy, which people are going to be surprised about this one, is Lincoln Tomlinson. You're probably saying, like, how often are they going to write about an offensive lineman? But I think he's going to get a lot of attention. When you think about what we were watching last year with Greg Van Roten, then we got uh, LDT, who held it down, was pretty solid. But he was this, you know, a replacement level talent. Lincoln Tomlinson's a pro bowl guard. I know people are saying he's 30. He may have his best years behind him, but typically offensive linemen can usually play into their mid thirties at a pretty high level. I'm not saying he's going to be Andrew Whitworth who could play to almost 40, but Lincoln Tomlinson's awesome. He, he blocks hard. He has a high football IQ for everybody you talk to. I'm super excited to see him gel. And I'm actually really excited to see how Elijah Vera Tucker and him, you know, sandwiching Connor McDermott or uh, Connor McGovern. Oh my God. Connor McDermott. I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> Connor McGovern, how it impacts his play. Cause one of the things I always hear guys like Damien Winnie and other offensive linemen who are in NFL media say is like, if there's a guy on the offensive line, who's not as good, but he's okay, but he's L he plays with other guys who are much more talented. It helps elevate his play because it makes his job easier. So if you're having those interior linemen with strong play, when we expect ABT to take a pretty big jump and be like probably the best offensive lineman on the team within the next year or so, I think McGovern's going to play really well. And I think that we're actually going to be happy that we have him. Hopefully, you know, we can get a year or two out of him and then maybe upgrade the position. So I'm really excited to see the ripple effect of having Lincoln on the right side. Mm -hmm. Hopefully if Becton's out there, he also helps him play a little bit better because that was what we were hoping with ABT being on the left side with him last year. Unfortunately, we never really got to see that going because I think Becton played three quarters. I don't even remember. It's been so long, but yeah, those are the three guys. I mean, I'm obviously just excited about the team in general because mm -hmm. we're almost at camp. We're almost at that optimism period, but I actually am optimistic. Like I think this team is going to be better than people think. I know we're Jet fans. We wear the Jets goggles, as you've said many times on this show, but obviously a lot of it hinges on the quarterback, but I think the team is talented enough to be something like, I don't know what they can be, 
but you were talking about the early schedule. I expect them to be two and two coming out of September, which is like for the Jets, it's a high expectation because they yeah. don't win September games. Yeah. But like you said, you have Baltimore, which I think is going to be closer than people think. They really don't have an established wide receiver with Rashad Baton being their number one and he coming on a little bit at the end of last year. But Elijah Moore was more impressive. And then you obviously have Cleveland with probably Jacoby Brissett being the starting quarterback because we're assuming the Sean Watson's probably suspended for a significant period of time. Yep. And you're playing Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. They beat Cincinnati with Mike White last year. Yep. And Pittsburgh is literally Mitch Trubisky, who I don't know how good he is, but their team is good. So yep. why not two and two? Mm-hmm. I really think it's possible. And I actually believe it. I don't know how the two and two is going to come, but I think two and two is going to be the result. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, it should be the expectation. If you make it out of September two and two, I think as a Jets fan, you have to feel good about that. Right. And Baltimore, you know, listen, uh, Lamar is Lamar. So that's anything but a, you know, a a shoe in game, you know, a a chalked win. Um, But to your point, you're right. And it's the first game of the season. So it's probably the perfect time to be to, to be getting them. You got months to prepare for this, this matchup. So, and then going back to something that you, you said in the um, in the beginning, there is is you know the Jets have fantasy football. Obviously, like Jets have cool players, which is something we haven't been able to say in a long time. They have players that you'd actually go and want to get jerseys for, like Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Sauce Gardner, like all cool players that they haven't had in such a long time, probably since the early Rex years. Which is just it's it's so refreshing to see. I mean, really, they've they've added talent to this roster and this start of the season is right around the corner and I couldn't be any more amped up for it regardless of the schedule regardless of anything else like I think this team to your point has the chance to be legitimately good and surprise some people and I am anxious to get September here um, to see how they do week one definitely You're, I agree with you I think they finally have guys <laughs> that are worth investing jerseys in yes and just a reminder to people who are subscribers of the show or prospective uh, subscribers, if they hear this or watch this, we are doing a giveaway for a Garrett Wilson and a Sauce Gardner jersey. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or on YouTube. And then obviously follow Stephen and myself on Twitter. We will obviously will continue to send announcements on Twitter about this, you know, in the coming months because we are aiming to give this giveaway at the end of at the end of July as training camp kicks off. So. Keep looking out for that. And we appreciate all the support of everyone has been doing. But back to other things. Um, Quinnen was actually in the news today because there was a list, like basically polls of executives. And I think some coaches, it was something by Jeremy Fowler at ESPN of, you know, polled the run league for top 10 defensive tackles in the NFL. He was left off the list and he was listed as an honorable mention. And I'm thinking is like, do, do we care about this? Are they right? Like, I'm curious what you think about it. I haven't seen the list. You have to have uh, ESPN uh, Plus, which yeah. I used to have, and it's a, it expired, but <laughs> I'll get it back on it. But what do you think about this? Does this bother you? Do you think it matters? What, what do you think here? I think, first of all, I mean, without looking at the list, I think it's honestly, it's probably fair. I think every evaluation that uh, we've given, that Jets fans have given on Quinn and Williams are pretty much based on potential, which I still think that he has. Um, but <laughs> my personal opinion is I'm, I'm just tired of talking about interior defensive linemen. So I really don't care. Right. I think it's a fair assessment. I think you can't put him in the top 10 in the league of, of interior D linemen. Um, but I think he has the potential to be there, but in a contract year, he's got to put up or shut up for a con- uh, you know, contract year for a third overall pick. I think you should be in the 
conversation of 10 best uh, interior defensive linemen in the league. You should be in probably what the, you know, eight to 10 sack range per year, um, which he hasn't really sniffed at, to this point. So I think honestly, uh, basing it on his draft position, um, what this scheme really should yield. He's been somewhat of a disappointment. I think he had, at this point, he's a solid starter, but for a number three overall pick and someone that is looking to cash in on that uh, extension, you know, and what that may look like, he needs to produce more. So at this point, man, I, you know, it's a fair assessment, but I really don't care one way or another because I'm just tired of talking about interior D-line. I know. I feel like Jets fans are just so nauseated by interior defensive line conversations, which is why whenever they're, thinking about taking one in the draft or like, please not again, but I agree with you. I think it's a whole lot of nothing. I think it's just like, you know, people are trying to get people to talk about the NFL because it's a dead three week period, but I agree. I think it's a fair assessment because the statistics do not back him up as a top 10 defensive tackle. Granted, I know that that position sometimes doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but like, I know like the analytics and the PFF grades have always been kind to Quinn and saying he has like a good pressure rate or whatever that is. I don't know. I'm not really into the analytics on PFF as much. I, I mean, I look at them, but I don't necessarily think that everything is a true story of what you're seeing on the field and obviously on film, was, which is what coaches are looking at. But I do think, I, you know, he does have to put up or shut up. Don't, you don't necessarily have to be a 10 sack a year guy. It's not really what's expected. I mean, obviously Aaron Donald's a defensive tackle, but he's one of the best football players ever walked on this planet. So I don't want to compare him to Aaron Donald or even like a Fletcher Cox. But one of the things that I value and like when I'm watching, you know, the defense is like, is he messing the play up? That's something that Chris Sims always talks about. And I've been, you've been following kind of his analysis, which whether you like him or you don't, I think he has a pretty good opinion on things, but it's like, do you mess the playoff? Are you causing havoc at the line of scrimmage, which isn't necessarily going to be a sack or a tackle, but you're making life on the offensive line difficult for those guys. Mm-hmm. And he does do that, but he doesn't do it consistently. I just need yeah. to see consistency out of him. I think, if he's doing that and he's getting anywhere between seven, you know, eight sacks a year, then you're happy with him. I mean, I don't want to pay a premium for him. Granted, he's making a lot of money on that uh, option this year, but I think I need to see the statistics and the actual consistency mm-hmm. on the, on the line of scrimmage. So there's, let's there's games that he disappears completely. Yes. And that's the frustration with, Quinn. you know, you know, you know who I can compare him to, which people are going to like, this makes no sense. I kind of compare him to Robbie Anderson when he's with the Jets mm-hmm. because there'd be times when Robbie would be awesome and he would make plays, you know, give us the long touchdown. But then there'd be games he'd do absolutely nothing. So yeah. it's like it's very hot and cold. I know yeah. obviously it's a different position, but I think it's comparable when you think about like the consistency of both of them. And it made sense why the Jets let him go. And ultimately he really hasn't proved them proved them wrong at all. I mean, obviously replacing Rashad Perriman for him it was a bad idea, but letting him go and not overpaying clearly doesn't seem to be a problem, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping he shuts us up and he proves that, you know, he was the right pick at number three overall. I would have rather Nick Bosa. I was hoping that that somehow could happen. Unfortunately it didn't. And that would have made this defense a lot different than what it looks like right now. But ultimately let's just see what Quinn can do. He's going to have Carl Lawson, hopefully for the whole year, he's going to have the other guys. And that's probably one of the most talented units on the team, but I agree with you. I don't think it's anything. I think it's just, you know, slow news day, dead period of football, so I think we can we can definitely squash that one. Um, we're going to move, though, to one of the other controversial or polarizing figures on the team, Mr. Mackay Becton. Obviously, there's been a lot of concern about what his, you know, playing weight is. I don't want to speculate. I don't know. Obviously, you know, that's been very close to the vest, whether it's with Becton's trainer, it's been with the Jets. But he posted a video, I think it was on the 4th of July or over this past week of him, like, working out in Dallas with Duke Mayweather. 
Like, what are your thoughts here? Like, are you are you concerned that he's going to be on the POP list because he's not in shape? Are you like, you know, confident that he's going to be fine? Like, what do you think? I'm kind of in the middle here, but I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, I am concerned. Uh, you know, and you, you, when you look at Makai, you kind of, from a broad perspective, right? He had a, what we would call a great rookie season where the only downfall was that he got nicked up, right? And he got nicked up frequently, which, you know, that's probably the only negative thing that we talked about. But at the end of 2020, it seemed like that was a home run pick solidified left tackle for years to come, um, you know, with the only downside being that he would often get injured and have to come out of games for plays at a time. But he didn't really miss significant time, but that was the downfall. Fast forward to 2021 and in training camp, he's getting eaten alive every day by Carl Lawson um, with an entirely new coaching staff who obviously didn't draft them. And they're probably operating with a clean slate. But despite that, he still wins the starting left tackle job, comes out week one, seems okay at that point, but then gets hurt, what, two and a half quarters in and is done for the year. So the concerning part is that he knows all this, is obviously aware of all the doubters, wears t-shirts to press conferences that, you know, made up like that and knows because from everything we've been told and everything we've heard is that the Jets coaching staff has been very forthright with him about what they expect him and where they expect him to be. And you've had 10 months to be there and you're still not. And you're making claims about it's easy to lose weight. All you got to do is, you know, uh, cut your calories and drink a lot of water. Okay. Well, if it's that easy, then why aren't you there yet? So, and to double down on that, knowing that Morgan Moses isn't walking through the door this year. Yeah. I'm concerned because honestly, like, I think we've all expected that George Fant is going to solidify that left tackle spot. So that means Makai is going to the right. And if Makai to the right uh, is going to be the Makai Becton of 2020, I think we can all be extremely happy about that, but that's a huge question mark. And the fact that if he's not able to get ready, we're uh, a Chuma Doga or a Connor McDermott on the starting right side is very concerning. So yes, I am concerned. I'm not a full panic button mode yet, but I am concerned that it's July and we're talking about his weight because it's not where it should be yet. And I think all the signs point to the fact that it's not, even though we don't want to speculate, you know, people have said if, if Robert Sala, if he was happy with where Makai was, Robert Sala would have addressed it head on and said, Makai's exactly at the weight we want him to be at. He's good to go for camp. And we're, you know, we're happy to see him back here, but he didn't say that, which leads you to believe he's not where he should be. That was a long winded answer. So yes, I'm concerned. I'm not panic button yet, but it's the concern is real. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because they were gassing up Denzel Mims, saying he's in the best shape of his life. They're talking about Zach Wilson being in great shape. You know, he put on the right amount of weight so he can take the hits in year two. I agree. You know, Salah is definitely choosy with his words. And if he had something really good to say about Becton's weight and physical stature, he would have said it. We would know. We wouldn't be talking about this right now. He's definitely the guy I would say that everyone's going to be thinking about most when camp opens. Like, is he in the first practice? Is he, you know, because he needs to pass a physical. And based on everything that you've heard, he wouldn't have passed a physical like a month ago. I mean, Mm -hmm. listen, he's clearly working out. I know he's trying, but like, if they really have to potentially start Connor McDermott or Chuma Doga, this team is going to be in serious trouble. And I'm terrified for that potential of thought. And mm-hmm. listen, we could all, we, this could be just like something that we can laugh about in two months when the season starts and he looks good and everything like that. But until we get that clarity and he's like, you know, suiting up in the preseason, you're physically seeing him on a, a real live football game where the bullets are flying. 
I'm going to be a little skeptical. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, when you hear if he passes physical or not, you're going to be happy if he passes it. But you're like, OK, did he pass it by like the skin of his teeth or is he looking really good? So it's definitely something to keep worth keeping an eye on. I, you know, I root for the laundry of this team. I, I liked what Makai showed as a rookie, like you said, in 2020. He looked like a franchise left tackle, slam dunk pick. But at the end of the day, it's a what have you done for me lately league? And he hasn't done a lot for me lately. So I'm rooting for him. I'm not going to bash him until there's really a reason to do so, which would mm-hmm. mean him not being able to practice next month or, you know, potentially missing time early in the season because of these physical limitations. But we're going to cross that bridge when we get there. And I don't want to jump to conclusions so soon. But yeah. let's hope I mean, for the best. <laughs> I know it. And honestly, like everything we know about the staff, I don't, I don't think they just handed him the left tackle job last year. I have to believe that in part, it was probably a three-man race for two spots, right? It was him, Moses, and Fant all competing to, for two starting spots. And when Carolina rolled around week one, it was uh, Becton at left tackle and Fant at right tackle. Luckily, we had Morgan Moses to slide in once Becton went down. Fant shifted over to the left, Moses to the right, and honestly, the bookends were pretty good. This year, we don't have that luxury. And if Riley Reif walks through the door, that's great. But honestly, he's a step above Connor McDermott. Uh, yes, Connor McDermott. Now I'm getting him confused. He's a step above McDermott and uh, and Chuma Doga. But honestly, he was what a he's an eight year veteran. He was a you know decent starter on a bad Bengals offensive line. So it's not up to the the, the Morgan Moses standard that I think you know we all loved uh, last year because Morgan Moses was a solid starter that like never missed a snap. I mean, didn't, you know, he missed one game in what, five years with Washington. So there is concern there for that right side of the line. So as good as we feel about how well this offensive line has been rebuilt, that big question mark, um, it's, it's a very, very big one leading into camp and, uh, you know, the end of this month. I will say, I do think that they add some sort of piece as insurance, because I don't think that they really want to start Connor McDermott. I think they no. view him more as like a swing guy mm-hmm. than anything else whether it's a trade or somebody's cut like before, you know, opening day, I do think that there will be another tackle that's added to this team. I don't know who, but I think Joe Douglas is going to keep every option open and, you know, take every phone call and see what he can do. Honestly, though, the one thing that could be interesting is maybe they trade Becton. Like maybe they just see an opportunity to do so. I know that was a big topic leading into the draft. They took a Kwanu, but, Listen, you never know. Boomer size and thinks he's going to get cut, but like I think that's a drastic. I that's a, yeah. I don't either. That's Joe Douglas risk. took this guy. He's not getting cut. I would be, I'd be floored if he got cut. Yeah. I, I expect him to be the starter on opening day. Let, let's be clear. That's what I think. That's what I'm hoping for. And until I don't see it, I'm yeah. not going to. I'm not going to panic. He's the only one getting in his own way. So he's the only one that can that can control this. He's got to get his weight down. That's the only thing that's you know that's blocking him from from doing that. So. It's Makai Becton versus himself. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, we're definitely going to recap this show with something that I know you love. You love Jets nostalgia because truthfully, there hasn't been a lot to enjoy over the last decade or so. Dating back to really like, I guess 2015 was a fun year, but it ended terribly. But really, if you want to go into 2010 was the last really fun year, even though it's a heartbreak in Pittsburgh. But Something that um, I know that was on Jets Twitter, I think Boy Green had shared it, and then Joe and Connor were saying they're going to do a rewatchables of this game, was the Keyshawn playoff game in Jacksonville. So Keyshawn was actually one of the first jerseys that I ever had as a Jets fan that actually we found it over the weekend, and I gave it to my girlfriend because it's small, but she could fit into it, and she'll probably wear it, and I'll take a picture and make sure everyone sees it. Chelsea, I know you'll appreciate this. Um <laughs> But walk me through just that game, because I don't really remember it. I know, obviously, it was 
insane. When you look at the stat line, not only the offensive stat line, but he also had an interception and a fumble recovery. Like mm-hmm. that's just insane. Please walk this audience through it. Yeah. So honestly, I mean, I, yes, I love Jets nostalgia that 98 team. Um, I think rivals, you know, in my lifetime, definitely rivals the 2010 team. And if you put up 98 versus 2010, I think 98 would come out on top. And honestly, the fact that they had a first round bye for the two seed and had a divisional home game for Jacksonville uh, was just awesome. So the game itself, I think, you know, the final score was 34-24. It wasn't as close as that, to be honest with you. Um, I know that uh, the Jets kind of dominated the, the whole game, but really the first half. And then Mark Brunel hit Jimmy Smith down the left sideline uh, at the in the last play of the first half. I want to say he burned like Otis Smith. And the Jaguars got it, I want to say like 14-10, which made every Jets fan panic. Like, oh my God, really? Like we're dominating this game. And now we're going to let Jacksonville back in it. I think Jacksonville got the ball at the the start of the second half too. So this whole thing. But honestly, Keyshawn had a monster year that year and just had a monster game. I mean, he was absolutely dominant. So he went, I want to say nine for 121 with a touchdown. He had two runs for 28 yards and had a touchdown on a reverse. He recovered a fumble. I want to say that Vinny threw a pick, either Vinny threw a pick or Curtis Martin fumbled and it was <laughs> recovered by Jacksonville. And then uh, someone stripped the, the Jacksonville defender on the way down the sideline. Keyshawn was able to, to fall on it and recover it. So first down change of possession for the jets. And then the, the pick at the end of the game, I mean, Jacksonville down 10 points, they got to throw a Hail Mary and Bill Parcells was just always good for this. He just always had that kind of extra little thing. Like if you're, I don't know, you, you are younger, but if you remember earlier in that season, uh, they played the Colts and the Colts were going to try like a 65 yard field goal. And, and Bill Parcells sent Aaron Glenn back there to return the missed kick, which is the first time that's really ever been done. You know, and that, that kind of started that era of doing that yeah. was Bill Parcells doing that. So Bill Parcells had a, a Hail Mary package where he sent Keyshawn in because Keyshawn was a six four, you know, lanky receiver uh, to go defend the Hail Mary. Mark Brunel tosses it up and Keyshawn comes down with a pick. So um, <laughs> that uh, that game was awesome. And just like every other, you know, Jets game in my lifetime, it gets it's followed by a letdown where, you know, they had Denver and then and then let it slip through their fingers. But Keyshawn had a monster game. He wound up on the cover of Sports Illustrated the next uh, the next week which was awesome. I think it read jet propelled, which was one of my, you know, favorite things of all time. I was a big Keyshawn guy. You not so much, even though you had his Jersey, but it was a great game, man. I love, uh, I love talking that 98 team. That was a lot of fun. That game specifically was a lot of fun. If for some reason this gets aggregated and sent to Keyshawn, let's be clear. Keyshawn, <laughs> I, I totally loved you. I had your Jersey. I just thought that for a number one overall pick, and that's just because those expectations are pretty much unattainable for most guys. Like, Think of how many number one picks don't live up. I just think taking a receiver that high, he wasn't Jerry Rice. Like, I expect you to be Jerry Rice. That's it. Keyshawn, great Jet. He's not Ring of Honor Jet. And that's even He wasn't there long enough. He wasn't there long enough. But he had had two really, really solid, really good years. And one was with Vinny. And the next year was with, you know, from Rick Meyer to, to Ray Lucas. Um, and he still had a monster year that year. And then, you know, was traded before the 2000 season, which uh, a guy gone too soon, but I love Keyshawn. I thought, uh, but I, I can see your point. I think for number one pick, that's all it is. He was a good jet. It, like there's like no jets fan. Like, I mean, some, I guess were a little salty because I feel like he didn't want to be here, which is why they ended up trading him. But Keyshawn was fun. Like he was just, he was like a personality. I mean, look at him. He's still, he hosts like the morning show on ESPN yeah. radio, which is pretty cool. But like, 
I don't want to be known as a Keyshawn hater because that is not the case. And you paint me, you paint that picture. And I you did. Know it. It's not true. I said I loved him. I said you not so much. It's you know, <laughs> it's not that. He's one of the best Jets ever. Like if you did like a Jets all team, he's yeah. in that list. You he's know what I mean? Like I would he, say. if you do like the Jets like top fifty players of all time, he's, he's in the list. His so. time, his time with us was short lived. That's all. It was cut short, and I think he just wanted to get paid. Yeah. But, hey. I, listen. In the NFL and really any sport, I don't blame I don't blame yeah. any player who's holding out for money. I know that that's always a conversation. Like, do you sign with the players? Do you sign with the owners? Whatever. Especially in the NFL, but thankfully they've made a lot of improvements to give more guaranteed money. These guys should take get every dollar they can. It's a dangerous game. I mean, I was just reading about Demarius Thomas. God rest his soul. It's terrible. But mm-hmm. like he had CTE. It's because of the game of football. So. I don't blame any guy for taking as much money as you can. So I, I totally get that. And if that's what his prerogative was, so be it. <laughs> any, any closing thoughts, Steven, as we transition away from Keyshawn? No, man. I just, uh, honestly, I'm really pumped about this season. Um, see what training camp brings. Hoping to get down there again, uh, at least for, uh, yes. for one open practice, maybe uh, maybe another. But um you know, year to Asala, I'm really excited. I think uh, just listening and reading some of the stuff out there, uh, these guys are really buying in. I think the culture is changing. I think, um, you know, winning obviously cures all that. So um, expectations should be to, you know, playoffs or bust. That's that's my opinion. I think they, they have to get themselves to, you know, really for it to be a successful season in our eyes is, is, you know, eight or nine wins. And I think they can definitely do that. But I think the excitement is there. I think Joe Douglas has done a masterful job of, uh, of rebuilding this roster and adding pieces and filling holes. Um, I think they have depth at, P- at places. They haven't had depth in a while. So I just think um, it's a really exciting time to be a Jets fan. And I think regardless of all the stuff that's beyond our control, like what the rest of the AFC looks like, how strong the division is, all that stuff. I mean, you play the team that's in front of you and, and we'll see what happens, but I think you're going to look uh, at the end of this season, it's going to be a much improved Jets team um, with a lot to hope for for the future. Totally agree. I feel the same way. I think that we're going to feel really good heading into 2023, whether they make the playoffs or they don't, I feel like they're still going to be optimistic. I think you're going to see a lot of the things that this fan base has been starting for competitive football wins that they are not supposed to get division wins. I think, you know, improve quarterback play, hopefully, you know, ascending quarterback play is what I'm really hoping for. But yeah, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to continue to do this show. And we're super excited to get the new uh, podcast feed up and running. We appreciate everyone who has already subscribed. And if you have not, please subscribe on both Apple and Spotify. We potentially may get it onto Google Play, but I feel like for the majority of our, our listeners, it's always been Apple and Spotify dating back to the TOJ pod days. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us both on Twitter and keep looking out for the announcements for uh, Sauce Gardner giveaway, as well as a Garrett Wilson jersey giveaway. And last but certainly not least, make sure if you have not subscribed to Badlands on Patreon, now is the time. I know there's a lot of good stuff coming as we head into training camp and uh, for the preseason and obviously the regular season. Joe and Connor are doing an awesome job. And obviously all of our writing, if you don't know, if we're, is going to be on the Badlands Patreon, but will not be behind a paywall. So if you enjoy reading what Steve and I have to say about the Jets, you'll still get that. You don't have to pay for Badlands. We appreciate the support and hope everyone enjoys our first episode back.